0: listeners fans guests everyone else we have a really fun day today with austin harris now this is also the joy of linkedin because austin we met how
1: via linkedin
0: yep you guys we love linkedin okay so austin like very graciously offered to hop on the podcast straight away and um unfortunately why did you have time to hop on the podcast straight away (laughs)
1: uh well i have a bit of a habit of getting laid off Uh, layoff number two hit me so i have some downtime right now while i'm searching for my next adventure
0: okay guys so he has some time reach out to him any suggestions any job opportunities because you know what austin is all about the community and a huge part of his sort of like background and experience is in about fraud leadership, mentorship, employment, even employment when you get laid off. So um, this is a really good episode about that, because as we were saying prior to the podcast starting, like when someone gets laid off, you can't. You know, you can't take it personally unless, of course, you know, they're mean to you about it, which I don't think they're probably were mean to you about it. Were they, Austin?
1: They were not, you know, and, and it's hard not to take it personal. But, you know, at the end of the day, business is business and you have to keep moving forward. So that's the best way to do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we are starting off with um our little speed round. And Austin, when I say the word fraud, what do you think of?
1: I've listened to this podcast a long time, so I've tried to prepare for these questions here. (laughs) Fraud to me, I boil it down to manipulation. You know, for me, it's when another human manipulates another human. And I think that's one of the reasons I'm so passionate about fighting fraud and being in the fraud industry is I can't stand manipulation. It's one of my pet peeves. So when you see someone is manipulating someone, whether that's someone that's elderly or even someone that's young or middle aged, you know, it's just something that Fraudsters all take advantage of is the manipulation they take advantage of the human condition and the human brain falling for traps and tricks so that's what I boil fraud down to
0: yeah I think that's I think that's excellent and um, I I mean not excellent that people do it but it's an excellent description of it. You know, and we use the term gaslighting a lot Mm -hmm. um, and in the fraud world, especially. And so I like that. So, okay, you said you're a longtime listener. That really makes me so incredibly happy. Um, uh, So honored that a longtime listener wants to be a guest. Okay, second word ethics.
1: Ethics is a tricky one. Uh, It's pretty broad. I think it can affect a bunch of different areas, but ethics for me comes down to morality and what someone is doing when no one's watching. You know, who are you when no one knows what you're doing? And realistically, we see that's when a lot of fraudsters take advantage is when they have that opportunity side of the triangle, the fraud triangle. That's when they make their move. So ethics for me, it comes down to morality and what you're doing when no one is paying attention. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I like that. And then finally, um, who embezzles more men or women in your experience?
1: (laughs) I've heard a variety of different answers here, and I think the stats show men. But for me personally, I've seen women. And looking back at my law enforcement career specifically, a majority of my cases, the subjects were women Uh, and especially involving embezzlement. And I don't I don't have the, the science behind it or why, but I did notice that trend, which is, it, it's it's odd if you come to think about it.
0: Okay, well, then you must have missed David Weber recently because he actually statistically proved that women steal more often, but men steal more money. And he did it via the U.S. Sentencing Commission um, cases for a 10-year period. I will put that in the show notes, um, his episode, and his paper. Um, so it is, and that. For the longest time, anecdotally, that was my experience. And now I can prove it.
1: Interesting. I did not know that. Yeah, I've always heard that men were most commonly at least caught or that maybe it was just the larger dollar amount. But, yeah, I noticed the same thing. It it was primarily women. And I would say overly uh, majority of them were, were women. I would say 80 plus percent of my cases. So it's very interesting to hear that.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean. Uh, anecdotally, for me, when I worked at the sheriff's office, all but one of my embezzlement suspects were women. Um, the one man, I said, stole like a woman, woman. And the reason he stole like a woman, it was a smaller dollar amount. It was about $40,000. And um, he had a sick like you know challenge child and that was kind of his justification for Mm -hmm. you know buying all sorts of things at costco and other places um whereas men steal bigger dollar amounts so Mm -hmm. yeah but i'll put those in the show notes yeah so okay so austin tell us how you got into fraud and where where is the perfect next place
1: for you That is a great question. Uh, And anyone that's known me or talked to me in the past knows that I got into fraud literally by accident. Um, I started off my career in law enforcement back in 2016. I had no desire to get into fraud. It was not on my horizon whatsoever. I was working night shift patrol, having the time of my life, newly married. I I was just having a fun time. And there was one night in particular, night shifts. It was probably around 1 a.m. or so. There was a call that went out for a house fire nearby, and I was the closest one nearby. I drove up there. The house was engulfed, and there was an individual that was passed out in his bedroom. Could not get out. So I went over to his corner bedroom, and there was a fence post there, a wooden fence post. I grabbed it and started smashing the window in an attempt to get him out of the house. Upon doing so, the window made a giant mess, and glass shattered back at me. I sliced open the side of my arm, sliced open the top of my thumb. I didn't feel it at the time, but I did later. Um, so long oh. story short there, I ended up going on light duty and they put me in the fraud department, fraud investigations. And I fell in love. Within the first week, I knew that that was where I was supposed to be. So I worked there for a couple of weeks on light duty. Eventually, a job posting came up. I applied for it. And the rest is history. Um, I worked my time on a task force, a countywide task force with Secret Service, IRS, um, along with a bunch of other city local agencies as well. And it was a collaborative effort, great team effort. We did a lot of work in the fraud industry. We fought gas pump skimmers, fuel bladder trucks, credit card theft, embezzlement, you name it. Did that for about five years before moving on to the private sector. I did contract work at GuideHouse um, investigating criminals in the government space. I do have an NDA there, so I need to be a little cautious with what I share. But I ended (laughs) up getting laid off when I was at GuideHouse, which was not fun. That was my first layoff, and I was out for about seven months without a job. I did launch Fraud Warfare during that time. It's a personal project of mine where we do uh, fraud prevention training, and we share fraud prevention awareness on social media. I did have to shut that down when I got my next job, though, at PNC Bank. So I started PNC Bank January of this year, and effective December 1st, I am being laid off uh, with PNC. But my time there was spent as a leader over a fraud unit of 11 fraud analysts, an amazing team. Uh, We referred to ourselves as the A-team, and truly, I had a blast. I mentored so many people, and, and honestly, they mentored me more than I probably mentored them but I had a blast doing it. We primarily focused on return deposit investigations. So a bunch of these fraudulent checks that are spiking right now, our team handles that.
0: Wow. Um, Okay, it's never a good time to be laid off, but being laid off around the holidays, like for anyone, icky, but being laid off around the holidays when you're in return fraud seems a little (laughs) short-sighted. No offense to you, PNC. Um, but it does seem a little short sighted.
1: Certainly, you know, and, it, and it's hard because there's never, never a good time for layoffs. But realistically, especially at this time, the, the numbers are rising. Their numbers aren't going down, especially in the return deposit section. So it is interesting, and you know, PNC will have to see how that plays off, and if that was the right area to cut at this time. But that's uh, people making those decisions are far uh, higher up on the pay scale than I am. Yeah, I get that. It's it's yeah, it's just not a lot of fun.
0: So, um, you know, not to like spill any uh, secrets or anything, but do you have an idea of like, kind of what you want to do next because of like, you've experienced two layoffs? And does that go to being your own employer again? Or, um, you know, help the audience out because maybe they can help you out
1: it is challenging, you know, it's hard to know what's safe. And realistically, you will never find that true safety in any job that you have, you know, and if you seek that and if you hold on to that, realistically, you may end up disappointed. But for me personally right now, I, I never wanted to get into uh, quote unquote management. I am not a manager by title. I don't necessarily enjoy having a title, but I do enjoy mentorship. And my latest role at PNC showed me, how much I was passionate about mentorship more than I knew, you know, coming to the end of, of being with my team and having to let them know that I'm I'm being laid off. A lot of those people reached out to me and said, hey, listen, you have no idea the impact that you had and how much of your fraud experience you were able to share with me. And being able to hear that from them, you know, you you feel like you're doing OK in a job. But when you hear that from a person that says, no, you invested in me personally, and I, I'm thankful for that. That meant a lot, you know, so realistically for me, I, you know, I would be interested in coming up with some kind of mentorship role or having some kind of leadership position in a industry where I can share my experience as well. You know, whether that's with a company, a corporate company, or whether that's something that I launch on my own. I'm not too sure yet. You know, it's it's hard to know what's right. And I'm trying to weigh out all my options and I have a lot of great connections on LinkedIn that have set me up with amazing interviews so far. Um, so I'm very thankful for them and realistically I'm going to have to write out these next few weeks and kind of see what direction this takes me.
0: Yeah. Um, well you're young. I'm just going to say you are, you are very young. You have a long career ahead of you and, um, it doesn't seem like, from what you just said, that you grew up saying, "I want to fight fraud." Like so many of us in the industry, I didn't even know what fraud was. Like mm-hmm. literally, didn't know what fraud was. But once you get the bug, you get the bug.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you don't go back afterwards. And and realistically, no matter what I do, it will touch fraud. I, I can't. <laughs> I can't get away from that. That is my my passion and my purpose. Is to fight fraud somewhere, whether that's on LinkedIn and and sharing content, or if that's, you know, at an actual company fighting fraud, you know, on the front lines.
0: So you put in your description that you, you know, have done trainings. I love to do trainings. It's kind of like being a fraud professor. Um, Like, do you have some of your favorite trainings that you've done on a specific topic within fraud
1: Oh, that is a great question. I, I am passionate about training. You know, and if you talk to any of my previous co-workers, they'll tell you I'm the Photoshop guy. Uh, I'm very uh, design driven. I would Photoshop my co-workers faces on all kinds of photos and we'd have a good time. The creativity side of it is where I thrive. And I've done a more trainings than I could even count. Some of my favorite were probably involving crypto investigations um, and even Business awareness, teaching these businesses on some of these basic red flags on what to look for. Nothing even complicated, Um, but being able to talk to them, talking to the elderly, having that one on one time with them where you can actually teach them and and show them, hey, if you see these kinds of red flags, (laughs) you know, stop. Don't don't continue forward. Those kinds of trainings, even though they're the most simple, there's some I've enjoyed the most.
0: Yeah, I I I just I love to do the trainings. Okay, so not to put you on the spot, um but have you read either of the new books, um Michael Lewis uh uh Going Infinite or Number Go Up by Zeke Fox?
1: I have not. Okay.
0: Well, um Got so I haven't started Michael Lewis's. I will be starting it this week because it's Thanksgiving week. And, um, but number go up is so incredibly good. And I had a friend who asked me, I, I want to learn about like the crypto and what happened because she knew someone who she goes, I think they've lost everything. Mm-hmm. Um, because they wrote it all the way up, but they didn't get off at the top. And um, she's like, but I don't know anything about it. What can you recommend? And I recommend wholeheartedly Number Go Up by Zeke Fox. Um, so, and Michael Lewis, I I adore Michael Lewis, um, but his book has not gotten quite the reception, I think, that he has gotten in the past for it. Um, but as far as crypto investigations, and, you know, this is my, because I don't deal in the whole crypto world very much, is... Um, The idea that people are, you know, pig butchering, scamming, romance scamming, all of this sort of stuff, crypto is so tied to it, even terrorism. And there are, you know, in Southeast Asia, there are factories with people doing this online to people to get them to invest in crypto. Are you familiar with those schemes in Southeast Asia?
1: Yeah, it's it's rampant. It's it's continued to climb and climb to a point that's dangerous, uh, very dangerous. You have people like Aaron West that's doing an amazing job spreading yes. awareness, specifically on pig butchering. That's her uh, her forte, her, her passion, you know, but this is something that's been ramping up for years now. Um, I can remember being back in law enforcement, probably. 2017, 2018, you know, and a few years before that, we went to a conference. Bitcoin was I think $600, something just stupid, mind-blowingly stupid. We should have invested when we could have. Um, But we've seen that these scams have been going on since then, and they're just becoming more and more rampant. It's easily accessible for people to start doing these types of scams. And like you said, you you have people in factories that are being basically forced into this type of work, and it's, it's sickening.
0: Yeah. And in Zeke Fox, he went to Southeast Asia and like the descriptions of it. And I hadn't thought of it for, I mean, kind of thought of it, "Eh, terrorism, that's a good way to hide money, blah, blah, blah. But the fact that these people in these countries are offered, quote, good jobs, and then they get there and they're, they're prisoners.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes.
0: um, Yeah. So um, as far as business awareness, like this is a, this is a sweet spot for me is No one thinks frauds going to happen to them. We have optimism bias. We think that, you know, good things only will happen to us. And we think even less that bad things will happen to us. Um, Sometimes it's challenging in the business market. What would you say about that, especially coming from the banking side?
1: It is incredibly difficult. Uh, You know, and if you look at small businesses, (laughs) they're heavy targets, you know, and the thing is, it's twofold. You know, they're targeted as a victim, you know, victimized via... Business email compromises, just regular scams that catch these business individuals off guard. Internal theft, but then additionally, you have <laughs> similar to what we saw during the PPP loan era. You have these businesses that are targeted, and they're kind of being used as a subject. You know, they're kind of involved because hey, I I could take that money. You know, I I could use some of that money. Uh, you know, for my business. We had employees during COVID nineteen. But, you know, they're also knowingly saying, yeah, I'm going to agree to do this, but I know what you're doing isn't right. You're filling out this application, which is probably not entirely truthful. Um, you know, so it is a it's a twofold thing. You know, you you, you can't play both sides of it and, and play the victim on one side and then say, oh, yeah, but I want some of this extra money. You know, so it's it's uh, <laughs> it's interesting to see how fraud is involved lately involving all these businesses.
0: Yeah, they see it as a victimless crime. Mm
1: hmm. Yes. Well, and that's fraud in general. I I think if you uh, go to any law enforcement agency and ask them and you try to file a fraud report, you know, oftentimes they see it. Well, it's victimless. Your bank's going to reimburse you. You What's what's the true loss here?
0: Well, and especially in insurance cases, they're like, I paid, you know, X dollars into my insurance company forever. And I'm just getting back a little bit of what, you know, I paid Mm -hmm. into. They don't actually see that you know the money that they paid into was to pay legitimate sort of claims so Mm -hmm. um uh, we talked a little bit before the program and i know you're going to have more time unfortunately during the holidays but i love to talk about fraud and pop culture i just dropped a fraudish playlist of music but are there any tv shows movies books podcasts that you would recommend to the audience
1: Ooh, that is great. Um, There's a lot of books by John Maxwell. If you're into any kind of leadership, even in the fraud space, I know some of it's not specific to fraud or the fraud industry, but still, he has a lot of great content on leaders um, and leadership. The Self-Aware Leader is a book that I read recently from him. It is amazing. Um, I actually posted recently on LinkedIn, I think it was last week, I shared a bunch of the top podcasts um, and even some of the newsletters that are out there. Bad Fraud Advice by Brian Davis is an amazing newsletter. It's a, it's a must follow. Uh, there's also a new one, Fraud Thoughts, which is a great one as well. But and that's it's really hard. Sophia, it, isn't it? Yes, it is. Sophia, I believe Carlton. Yeah, um, she was, I think, my second guest. I got to have her back. Really? I just actually connected with her, I think, probably within the last two weeks uh, when she yep. dropped her new newsletter. And she's she's great. She's been a, a she pleasure is. to connect with.
0: Yeah yeah how about t v shows or movies? Do you have any of those that you like?
1: Oh, I don't watch much t v that involves fraud. Um, <laughs> I, I start to think of it as work. Um, the only thing I watch that may be somewhat relevant is the office. Um you know they have some episodes <laughs> that that cover fraud and identity theft. Um, but that's about it. I don't watch too much uh t v or shows that involve fraud. My wife is not too uh <laughs> interested.
0: Yeah, I, I I can get that. I totally can get that. So um, you're also a huge coffee aficionado, aren't you?
1: Oh, I am. I uh, I probably drink a little too much coffee. I've got a an espresso machine, an Nespresso machine, K cups. You know, you name it. I, I I enjoy coffee. It's the only thing that gets me through my day.
0: Is that from your law enforcement background?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know what? <laughs> coffee and donuts. The the.
0: <laughs> i didn't say donuts but I a maple bar. yeah i love me a maple bar <laughs> it, it's yeah.
1: certainly it stems from my law enforcement career you know especially working nights i would uh drink it as if it was water it was the only thing to keep me going some nights
0: yeah 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 um what do you look okay so you mentioned bad fraud advice and fraud thoughts um what is some ideal training besides Erin West? And I hope to get Erin. Erin, if you're listening on the podcast, um, I know she's been traveling a ton right now, though, in Southeast Asia. Um, mm-hmm. wh- where else do you suggest to look for trainings?
1: More so trainings via LinkedIn content or um, certificates?
0: Either, both.
1: Okay. Well, that's a great question. You know, CFE has a lot of great, um, uh, training, but the CFE certification is great as well. You've got the IAFCI. They have several smaller certificates, but they're great. The CFCI is a certified financial crime investigator certification. It's something I do have. It's a great little training course. Um, there's also several other organizations. Uh, the ACFCS has some great trainings as well. Um, LinkedIn is where I get a lot of my uh, learning from, unofficial learning content. You know, there's a lot of knowledgeable people on there, and realistically, it's a great resource. If you are not using it, please start today. Um, So many people on there share amazing content. Just to name a few Stephen Sargent, um, if you're interested in the crypto space, but also anything to do with training, he is very pro. Um, LinkedIn, he's very pro, uh, getting people into jobs and setting people up in the right ways so that they can connect with others and network properly. An amazing resource there. You've got people like Eric Vento. I know he was on the show I believe, yeah. a few months back. Great connection. I have anyone transitioning from law enforcement to the private sector. He provides all sorts of free content and training, you know, information and, and, and advice on how to make that transition, how to connect with others, And he's also got an official business that he uses. um, If you're interested in his services, Um, Carice Hendricks, great, great, (laughs) amazing, uh, fraud expert. I'll call her Um, probably one of the top. I can't say enough great things about her. If you are not following her her on LinkedIn, please do. She shares content at least weekly. There's always something great out there that she has. I could go on all day. There's so many amazing people. And the great thing is about LinkedIn is a lot of these people offer it for free. You don't have to go and pay for this content. You can scroll through your LinkedIn feed and say, "Oh, hey, this person's talking about money mules. Hey, they're talking about business email compromises. These are live trends taking place from people that are on the front lines. So it is extremely powerful."
0: Yeah, I can't imagine doing my job without LinkedIn. Um, like, just you know, the plus also your creatives. I, the creative part of my work for a while, I did fraud haikus. Um, we have to make it relevant and interesting. And I say fun and like, no one wants to think that fraud is fun, but if it weren't interesting and fun, would anyone want to do it? No, no. Like, so we have to keep it interesting, relevant, um, relatable to people. And what better way to do it than to share this sort of knowledge you and I could have never met, like, or Mm -hmm. if we did meet, it might've been at a big conference where we walked by each other in the hallway.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, and if you look at fraud trainings in general, uh, we've all been to a bad fraud training (laughs) where everyone is literally falling asleep in the room. I've been to many conferences where people were falling asleep visibly in the room. It's a hard topic to make fun, you know? So it does take that creative edge for people to be able to portray training in a way that's interesting and relevant enough to keep people awake, even through their coffee breaks.
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um so you touched on this br- briefly with Eric Vento and um I did this in my career. I went from private well, I went from private sector to government to private sector. Um but the transition between public sector, law enforcement, um or government work to private sector, did you find that challenging? Like for me, it wasn't challenging because I grew up in a private sector family.
1: It's different. Um, challenging is a big word I don't know that it was challenging it was different though you know especially the longer you stay in law enforcement I could see it being certainly <laughs> challenging you have people that are diehard cops at heart and they jump to the corporate sector and you can see it just doesn't It doesn't click. Everything that they've been taught to do is completely backwards. (laughs) And (laughs) the corporate setting is not necessarily the best environment to do some of the things you can do in law enforcement. (laughs) So I could certainly see that happening for me. um, It was an interesting transition. Um, There's differences in how you progress through your career and people treat you differently coming from law enforcement into corporate settings. You know, if they see that you're a cop previously, they do treat you differently. Um, Sometimes I've been treated like, Hey, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. You know, he, he has no idea. He has his experience. Doesn't matter. And realistically, a lot of law enforcement officers have great experience to share. It's just finding out how they can do that. What is, what is the avenue? What is the format that they can share their experience in that environment and make it relevant? You know, you're not arresting people all day long when you're working at a bank. That it's totally different. You know, you're going after quantity. You're you're there to file SARS and, and meet productivity goals. That's not something you see in, in law enforcement, not to that extent.
0: Yeah. Um I had a I had someone I worked with at the sheriff's office and then I went to work at Nike left Nike and he saw a position open at Nike so he reached out to me I went and I met him for a cup of coffee and this is someone I worked with for 2 years and you know I gave him the lay of the land and not even so much as a thank you email or text and I'm like that's not going to work in the private sector like you like I mean that's where I grew up with a dad who sent gifts to clients and, you know, thank you. He's crazy about writing thank you notes. And, but when you're a cop, you don't have to write a thank you note, generally speaking, as a matter of fact, it's probably not a good thing to write a thank you note. So there is that sort of, you know, culture difference. And also in law enforcement, there's a pecking order. Like there are, you know, layers there are in corporate, but, I mean, I remember my sergeant at the law enforcement. He's like, you went around me. And he goes, you went above me. And I said, no, I actually went around you. <laughs> so um, it, it's a bit of a dance sometimes, wouldn't you say?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, and you're right. You know, you've got this chain of command. It's a very uh, strict line of business to to go up the chain in law enforcement. And it is slightly different in the corporate realm, you know. And, you know, realistically, there's a lot of people that, Leave law enforcement, they try to make it in the corporate setting, and they realize that it's just not for them. They just can't adapt. They're not, that's not them. They can't shut down being a cop, you know, and a lot of it's based on trauma or things that they've seen. And it's hard for them to shut that off. And to say, hey, you know, you, you can find a cop in any restaurant you go to. Their back is not going to be facing towards the door. You know, they oh, I have,
0: have
1: did that. <laughs> <laughs> you've got these, these patterns that are hard to stop it. I, I, I still do it to this day. You know, I have things and quirks that my wife looks at me and says, you're still acting like a cop. <laughs> so it's hard. It's hard sometimes to transition into that corporate setting. And for some, it just doesn't work.
0: Oh, that's so funny because we had a, um, not funny, but we had a shooting um, where I live. This was about a little over a year ago. And it was kind of in a a mall, Costco, Safeway. And um, it was the Costco I went to. The shooting took place in Safeway, but, you know, spitting distance from each other. And so for a while, I started backing my car in. And every time, like my friends sometimes will say, why that guy back in? I'm like, oh, he's a cop. Or he's been a cop and they're like how do you know that I'm like it's just a cop thing we just have things that we do that don't include donuts
1: sometimes (laughs) yeah (laughs) usually donuts are involved
0: (laughs) yeah I like like I said I like maple bars um (laughs) so um okay I I've given you a little time to think about this. Now, I don't want to catch you off guard, but any sort of song that you can think of that deals with money, white-collar crime, greed, lifestyle that we want to add to the Fraudish playlist?
1: This is an amazing question, and it's it's an honor to pick something for this playlist. So I haven't taken this lightly. Um, I already told you that I like the Rich Girl um, nomination that you had on there, one of my favorites. I'm going to add Nelly, ride with me.
0: Ooh, okay,
1: Oh, okay. I'm going to add
0: that. And why do you choose that one? I'm not I'm not a huge music person. So when I put this together, it was so much fun for me to listen to the songs.
1: You know, it's a hard choice. That is the first song that popped in my head when I was thinking about money specifically. So I think that's (laughs) that's why I chose that song.
0: Okay. That's awesome. Oh my God. What a fun way to kind of end this episode. Um, you guys, please reach out to Austin, not only to maybe potentially assist, but also to get assistance from him because I mean, I'll obviously we highlight him in when the podcast gets dropped and everything like that, but he provides much, much great content needed content and generous content. So you need to connect with Austin. And Austin, I would like you to come back when you get your new position so we can talk about it. And that might be really soon,
1: hopefully. I sure hope so. It's truly been an honor. Thank you, Kelly.
0: Oh, thank you.